Hello everybody, welcome back to Politics Relaxed. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the American elections. We've got the midterms coming up this Wednesday. It, the results will be Tuesday voting. Um, we've got a bit of a different panel as well, as well which is exciting. Uh, we've got kind of a few, a few writers, I mean Sam and Joel, you've written for the website. And if you're a real uh, old-time subscriber, then you'll probably remember Caleb. Um, but it's nice to have you guys on for a bit of a different perspective. I wonder where we start. Maybe we start for an overall kind of thoughts on what's going to happen on Wednesday and some of the key issues, maybe. Joel? I think it is hard to tell right now, but I would be, if I was a betting man, I would say that the Democrats will 100% lose control of the House and most likely the Senate's a real toss up at the moment. But if I had to bet, I would say that they might have a slight uh, uh, control of the House. Um, because from my perspective, the Dems are running much better candidates than the Republicans for the Senate. Maybe a victory for the Biden camp as well as a defeat, because um, if you had said at the beginning of the year that they had a chance of maintaining the Senate, um, it would have been not, you know, believed. So I think that sort of there's showing momentum for the Dems. It's not going to be a complete catastrophe. Yeah, it certainly feels like he's turned it around a little bit, especially in the last few months. He started bringing forward a new legislation, things like that, that have really kind of maybe pushed things to his side. But it's still, it's not looking great for him. And I think that's probably an indictment. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Even like um, policy plans which have passed through the House um, and the Senate, such as the Inflation Reduction Act, they're not even that popular amongst the US electorate. And the Dobbs decision, which basically got rid of Roe v. Wade, isn't having as big as an electoral impact as the Dems actually thought, with the cost of living crisis being and inflation being more important. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, all, the, all the polls are indicating um, that, I mean, pretty much the House is a foregone conclusion. You know, that's going to go to the Republicans um, with almost, almost certainly. Um, you know, in 2020, they won a lot of the state legislatures, the governorships. Um, of course, they were able to redistrict gerrymander one you know it's a lot of people are alleging um so the, you know they're the clear favorite in the house um the senate you know to be honest this is probably one of the best maps senate maps for the democrats it's unfortunate for them that it comes at a midterm um because historically as i'm sure everyone knows you know the party in power is not gonna it does not fare does not fare well yeah. i think there were two exceptions like 2002 and was it 1998 or something but there were those were exceptional circumstances and even then the margin wasn't very wasn't very big yeah um so it's it's definitely good it's definitely going to be tight in the senate um i agree that uh the democrats have much stronger candidates of course a lot of the nominees have been trump you know were endorsed by trump trump he seems to i mean there's one in, uh, well we can get into it later but uh trump doesn't seem to <laughs> choose the most qualified candidates, of course, yeah. because, you know, the less qualified they are, the more likely they are to just cozy up to him. No, I was just saying it was interesting. I was reading, so 35% of all uh, GOP candidates uh, believe that the election was completely stolen and that Trump should have won. And I think it was 50% of them that they have doubts over the election result. So mm-hmm. I think the interesting thing about Trump, which, I mean, maybe we talk talk about now just because Caleb brought it up, is that he he's he's almost i mean this is a bit of a weird comparison but he's also almost the jeremy corbyn of the republican party because he takes in terms of what he's done to the republican party he split them 
around the middle sort of area on Trump because there's a lot of Republicans who are very pro-Trump and there are a lot of people in America that are very pro-Trump, but it's not a majority. And that's the key thing. It's not a winning majority. And that's why the Republicans are in such a tough place at the minute because they can't get anyone to unite around one issue because they are so split around pro-Trump or anti-Trump. And that that's where really where the Republicans are going to struggle, I think. I completely agree. Like, um, the division in the GOP is, is evident. Like, for example, so in the governor's race, so moderate go- moderate governors in Phil Scott in Vermont and Chris Sununu in New Hampshire have been openly criticised by Donald Trump for being so-called rhinos and Republican in name only, as per se. Um, and then also you've got the the right wing of the GOP, like Marjorie Taylor Greene <laughs> um, in Georgia. So there is going even even in the GOP, there's some there's, a, there's an element of polarization. Um, although I will say, though, I think that the anti-Trump uh, Republicans are in a complete rout right now. Uh, like a lot of uh, smoke was made about like uh, like the Lincoln Project in 2020 of, um, you know, moderate Republicans who were for Joe Biden. But it seems like every single one of them, although they may be president in the media, in the actual Republican Party, they're being destroyed. Like Liz Cheney, yeah, Liz Cheney. Uh, lost, you know. The, the 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 Cheney family, you know, the Republican political dynasty lost yeah. her um her uh, seat in the re-election yeah in Wyoming. Um and everyone else, like even um Mike Pence, who Trump's supporters threatened to hang, one object for one of the objectives was the hang, hasn't he's been kind of critical but he hasn't objectively said this guy's supporters tried to kill me please don't like you know he said like you know i'm not going to say what what my thoughts on him are so the anti-trump right wing of the republicans are in a complete route i would say uh it's dominated by the trump side of the party Uh, yeah i mean i i definitely agree that there are divisions within the republican party um and i think honestly you know the reason why so you have these fringe candidates in the republican party they usually never really rise up in the Democratic Party. I don't know what the dynamics are, but there's something where the Democrats have a harder time, you know, letting someone who's just charismatic, but, you know, maybe he's not moral or is just really far, far right, basically. But, uh, you know, on, in the Democratic side, would be far left. They usually have a hard time, you know, rising to the surface. Um, I mean, this year, I don't think divisions in the Republican Party are really going to be a factor because in the eyes of yeah. most voters... The Democrats, you know, you can argue how much of um, how much control they had over the economy and, and, and whether that, you know, it was just inevitable. But um, a lot of it is just, you know, alternatives. Right. It's the Democrats really haven't done a great job. So what is there to lose voting for Republicans, especially because you have Biden to check Republican, you know, the Republican yeah. Congress, assuming they do win um, both houses. And maybe some moderate voters who wouldn't vote for Trump are voting for their respective Republican candidates, considering Trump's not actually on the ticket this time. Um, I, I would also say the fact that Trump's not on the ballot is interesting um, for the poll for the polling because mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, people people say that you know, or people are reluctant to say that they're supporting Trump. Um, so potentially the polls, which have tended to favor Democrats in the past, or at least in recent years, in recent election years maybe might be slightly tilted the other way. I mean, maybe we move on to some kind of the key races. There's been a lot of interesting ones. I mean, we've got, I think my personal favorite would have to be John Fetterman, Mehmet Oz. Fantastic. So exciting. I, 
Yeah, I, I mean, there's so much to talk about. Maybe we each individually focus on the ones yeah. that we've been interested in, then we can just go off that. Well, uh, I can, if we're doing individual races, I think one that's going to be really, really interesting is um, the Georgia race. Um, and that is between uh, Raphael Warnock, the incumbent, and um, Herschel Walker. And I think that that is proven to be really interesting because it was proves what I was saying earlier, how the Dems have a really, really good candidate. Um, uh, Warnock liked in his constituency, uh, good speaker, good on policy compared to the GOP candidate who is, you know, uh, suffering from, uh, you know, some kind of illness in the head, um, as well as um, a scandal like the stuff that came out about his abortion uh, mm -hmm. uh, scandals in the past. Um, so I think that Georgia is a seat that should be in a year like this, in a red wave year, should be easily Republican. It shouldn't even be talked about. Mm -hmm. But um, the fact that the GOP have chosen such a bad candidate, the Dems have chosen such a good one, and Georgia seems to be flipping in general, means they might keep the, the full Georgia Democrat uh, delegation. And I think that if I had to put a, a predictor, I think it's going to be a Warnock, Warnock will win re-election that seat. I, I do think uh, Herschel Walker has definitely been helped by the fact that Brian Kemp's also on the ballot for governor. He's uh, he's he's quite popular across the state of Georgia and Stacey Abrahams. He technically denied um, losing the last governor election in 2018. Um, it doesn't seem to be as popular as she was in 2018 either. Yeah, it is interesting how um, Brian Kemp and, you know, the Secretary of State um raffin's brother i think you know of course they were they stood up against trump you know in his attempts to say overturn the election but at least cast doubt on the results and potentially stop them from legitimizing and certifying um it's interesting how they're now seemingly you know um sure bets in this election i mean they're just strong candidates and that i guess is should be encouraging for some of the moderate republicans that there still is um, you know, Republicans are still motivated by the core issues um, and not just by Trump, basically. Um, I think Georgia has, I mean, 2020 election pretty much shows that it is a toss-up state. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I think Democrats can could easily hold that seat um, and, you know, Republican candidate could not be weaker. So um, we'll just have to see. But I think a yeah. three-point swing in the Republican, like, um, in in you know the popular vote, would probably that would probably be the limit. I think after Democrats have lost that because just Herschel yeah. Walker's alliance with the Republican Party and Trump is probably enough to get him um, to get him elected if there is um, that clear Republican edge on election night. See, like even in the polls, um, Herschel Walker's only leading by 0.5 percent. So I mean. Joe and Kayla's point about it being a true toss. I think out of all the states, this one's definitely the hardest to predict. I think in Pennsylvania, with as we, we can move on to John Fetterman and Oz, I think um, even though even though the the polls have closed up, I think we will see a John Fetterman victory there, um, despite his um, terrible debate performance, um, where he repeated the same line three times in a question about fracking. Well, you, with regards to Fetterman, I think that he's an interesting one because he was sort of uh, one of the progressive side of the Democratic Party's yeah. big standard bearers. Um, and people were very excited when he won the primary against Connor Lamb. 
and um you know he seemed to have been doing really well but uh, this stroke seems to have completely incapacitated yeah. him um and it, it was people thought that it was you know improving but that debate performance was very rough and i think that despite you know I, dr Oz is also in my opinion a very bad candidate mm-hmm. and so you have these two candidates that going to prove interesting and i think that that might have repercussions for the uh especially if john fetterman loses for the progressive side of the democratic party because he was uh their guy and then the more moderate uh josh shapiro who's the democrat candidate for governor looks to be a shoo-in so yeah. you have this moderate democrat doing really well and this progressive senate candidate lagging behind a little bit so that's going to be interesting in democrat internal politics I do think just from watching um, the debate, just from an objective point of view, you, if many independent candidates would sway towards memoirs, regardless of how bad of a candidate he is, generally just because of queries over whether John Fessman is fit enough to serve in the US Senate. Right. I mean, to, to be fair to John Fetterman, I mean, he was a perfectly solid candidate, you know, before his stroke, you know, being lieutenant governor, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure his mental faculties before the stroke were, were perfectly fine. It's just this, this freak event. And, and you really have to feel bad for the people of Pennsylvania that they're left with this choice of someone who has no loyalty to Pennsylvania whatsoever, has effectively bought their way into this race, which is Mehmet Oz. And he, he could only have done it with the endorsement of Donald Trump. And then you have John Fetterman, who previously was, you know, a solid um, a solid candidate, someone who would have been probably a decent senator. But now it's unclear whether, you know, how, how what impact this stroke is going to have going forward. Um, you know, of course, just the immediate impact is, is evident, but whether people will start to question, you know, his long-term recovery, that's that could be another issue. Yeah, for sure. For sure. To look at. I think I think if we have a look at Arizona, if you, I think you, Felix, you touched on it. I mean, it's between the main two between Mark Kelly and Blake Masters, and uh, yeah. um, the key thing is for me is actually the third party candidate, Mark Victor, has just pulled out of the race and endorsed Blake Masters. So I think that one or two percent going towards Blake Masters can make this a very very interesting race and could potentially see, unfortunately, Mark Kelly lose his seat in Arizona, who for me personally is my favorite senator in the whole U.S. Senate. Yeah, I mean Blake Masters, I think, is is less of a weak candidate than the other one, the other Republican candidates we've discussed. Um, but he's also very interesting because he's sort of uh, I think Peter Thiel's like um apprentice, who's like this weird conservative uh billionaire who keeps, you know, backing weird candidates. Mm-hmm. And uh that's gonna be really interesting if Blake Masters actually wins. But um Mark Kelly is is you know a very strong senator. He he he's for, you know, very famous, he used to be an astronaut. Um, personally, I think the polls are looking pretty good for Mark Kelly at the moment, but I didn't hear about the third party candidate dropping out. Um, I don't know how that race is going to go. I Blake Masters is a very unique candidate, I think, on the field because he's very conservative, very right wing, but not necessarily in the Trump sense, more from this like weird Peter Thiel like side project, which is going to be, I think, an interesting thing to see how that plays out. I think we covered. I think, I think I think the only other one is is in Nevada because I, I think um, North Carolina between Ted Bond and Cherry Beasley's that's that's going to stay red. Florida's gone to Marco Rubio, 
and Wisconsin looks like it's just going to stay from Johnson. So, I mean, in Nevada, I, I that, that's also, apart from Georgia, that's, I reckon this is probably the second closest race between Alex, Adam Laxall and Catherine Cordes Masto. I think, historically, uh, the Dems do have a history of being underpolled in Nevada. So, even though Adam Laxall's leading the poll, I reckon we might see a Catherine Castro Cortez master victory here. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting about Georgia, Nevada, and Arizona is that in, in you know, in 2020, um, of course, you know, the optimistic polls were, you know, were indicating a, that Biden would win those states. But just based off how tight the races were in other parts of the country, you'd have probably thought, not knowing what the actual result was, that he had lost, you know, Georgia, Arizona. And, and I mean, Nevada, he was also, he was projected to win fairly easily, but it was actually ex- extremely tight. So I think it just shows that these are all swing states and that they really, I mean, it's very hard to predict which way they will go. And to be honest, some could go one way, some can go the other. Uh, so I think, yeah, it's definitely hard to predict. Yeah. I mean, maybe we move on to some of the key issues that we talked about. We've got obviously can- the economy, which is the main one. And then we've also got, but we've got things like abortion with the Roe v. Wade ruling means that in lots of states, this is going to be on the ballot for voters. I mean, there's so many different things you could touch on here. I guess maybe we go around and talk about some of those issues. Uh, yeah, well, on abortion, I think, well, that is the reason why the Dems are doing so well, uh, quite frankly, in many cases, because I think that overturning uh, Roe v. Wade was such an unpopular and such an extremist, like, action from the GOP that it backfired on them massively. And I think what was interesting is if uh, earlier on in the summer, um, the polls were really, really good for the Dems, even in the House. Like that's how the, like the 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 Dobbs ruling was 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 pushing them over the line. And I think that if the election was a bit earlier, uh, sooner, then we would see the Democrats sweep purely because of abortion. But now that is sort of more in the past, more less in the voters' memory, and the cost of living crisis is more of a thing. Biden's governance is on the ballot. Abortion was the biggest issue, but now it's fading. And, and the, the, the less important abortion is, the better the Republicans do, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think I think Joel's point about overturning review Wade being unpopular, I think, I think that's evident. Um, in August, there was a referendum in Kansas, actually, which is a fairly conservative state where actually they voted against um, banning um, abortion on a state level. I think if this had happened three months ago, as we've kind of mentioned, it would have been a very different story because yeah. you had gun rights and you had this the Roe v. Wade ruling, which were the two kind of issues that gripped America for a, for a while. But now, as we've mentioned, it's shifting. And I saw a poll, I think it was 45% or maybe it was 50% of Americans. The main thing they're going to be voting on now is the economy, whereas only 15% yeah. on abortion. So the, the tides are very much shifting and have shifted in the last three months to favour the Republicans. And I think the, the issues on the ballot are probably one of the main reasons. It will be interesting to see what happens regarding abortion across America. I mean, if the GOP win both the House and the Senate, we could see a, a potential move to go for a, a nationwide federal abortion ban. Um, Lindsey Graham from South Carolina has proposed that in the Senate. So um, I think that it's going to be very, it, this is probably the, one of the most important midterms in a very long time. Yeah, it, it definitely feels more important than the, the ones in the past. I, I definitely agree with that.
I mean, do we do we talk about Joe Manchin a little bit because of how yeah. consequential he's been for the last two years for the Democrats? And now, I mean, I, I suppose what the Democrats would have hope, hoped for is to increase their majority so they could actually pass things, but it's looking less and less likely. Yeah, I mean, Joe Manchin has been the major roadblock in Biden's uh, aims of getting his policies through Congress. Um blocking Build Back Better, the infrastructure bill, and the Reduction Infl- reduction Inflation Act really only being a fraction of what Build Back Better was. Um, I think, though, on uh, assuming the Senate has a really good night for the Democrats, um, I think the Democrats could maybe pick up one extra seat. But then the issue is, is that you've also got Kristen Sinema, uh, of Arizona, who also plays a similar role to Joe Manchin in, in, in blocking bills. So I think unless the Democrats um crazy seats like Ohio and Wisconsin, they won't. Um, then um, then they're going the Biden's agenda is in jeopardy regardless. And the House also won't pass it because it will flip to the Republicans. So maybe we we wrap it up a little bit and I know what are your predictions for the night and no, like, who's gonna be yeah. happy? I think my predictions, a final prediction, I think the Democrats keep the Senate. I think the Republicans win the House. Uh, Governorship's going to be huge for the Republicans. Um, I think that who's going to be happy? A little bit of both, because I think that Democrats won't necessarily experience the wipeout that they thought they were going to at the beginning of the year. Um, Chuck Schumer gets to keep his job as Senate Majority Leader, but but the Republicans are going to take it as a massive victory and a big condemnation of Biden's agenda when the House flips, which is they're going to call it a red wave. And so I think a bit of both for both sides, but mainly the Republicans, I think, are going to have a big night. I'd say my prediction is uh, in the House, I reckon the GOP are going to win over 240 seats. I think there's going to be a complete wipeout of the Democrats nationwide. Regarding the Senate, I think my prediction is that I think John Fetterman will win Pennsylvania. But then Catherine Cortez Master will lose Nevada, so it's a fifth. But then Georgia will go to a runoff, so it's a 50-49 going into. I think when I think they've moved the runoff to December now rather than January. Um, but I reckon it'll be a 50-49 after election night, and then it will depend again on the Georgia runoff. I mean, I, I don't know if I can make a prediction about the Senate because it is so close. I would say that recently, um, you know, I think Democratic optimism has waned and. Now they are sort of accepting the fact that there's a good chance that it could be a red wave. Um, I think the House is, as I've said uh, many times already, you know, it's a foregone conclusion, basically. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Senate is is pretty much a toss-up. That's that's all I can really say. I don't want to repeat what everyone else has said. I mean, obviously, the House is looking to go very Republican. And yeah, as mentioned about the Senate, I don't. I, don't, I think the, the one person who's going to have a good night is Donald Trump. I think he may end up pretty soon after this making more moves towards the presidency again. Um, and I think he could use this night to really be a, a springboard for that presidential campaign if he chooses. I think I think we've covered a lot. Um, you can watch our continued coverage of the midterms on the website, on the Instagram, on the Twitter. We should have an exciting interview, I think, coming up quite soon uh, after the uh, midterms with um, someone in America who is covering all of this. Um, I don't wanna, I'm not gonna spoil the surprise, but you should definitely subscribe for that. 
and um, we'll definitely have reaction after the midterm. Thank you very much to you guys for coming along. Thank you to you for watching. Uh, cheers.